This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. I have decided to cancel the fun facts, at least for this episode, because I tried really, well, I didn't try really hard. I made a few attempts to get fun facts assembled for me, and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, and I'm very disappointed in the fun facts I got. I I don't rely, or I don't trust them, I don't believe they're all correct, uh, the data I was given by my AI assistants, and uh, I, therefore, don't really want to put it out there. I'm not going to retract stuff from episode, or from book five, or, you know, verify that it was true or not, but just, maybe this wasn't a good idea. And if it was, if I wasn't going to do this, maybe it wasn't a good idea to uh, hand it off to an AI, and uh, I should have done it a different way. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to take the time to tell you that part of this, uh, and I'll, I'll get, I'll get into the casual book chat on, um, on Half-Blood Prince very soon, okay? Um, but part of this rush, the way I'm releasing this right now, is because I've decided to take on and read a bunch of middle grade fiction, um, over three dozen, let's just say, or the goal is minimum three dozen over the course of the remainder of 2024, and I decided that since I had all these Harry Potter recordings, uh, saved from last year, that I would, uh, just go ahead and rapid release them so that I can share them with you, and since they were in such a different mindset, I thought, I'll get them out of the way, I'll get them done real quick, and hopefully the lessons I learned producing these this week will get me in a better place where I'm going to make the series to come that'll be released on the Story Over Everything feed really good, and me going through all these middle grade books and talking about them, giving my overall impressions and you know thoughts about you know things that grab my attention specifically will be really satisfying and really useful to me to you, to anybody who checks out the reviews or you know, suggestions or not suggestions, anti-suggestions um, that I make regarding books. So anyway, uh, I would really appreciate uh, people check who you know checked out these Harry Potter talks, um, checking out these other book talks because, well, I mean, Harry Potter is made for young folk, and uh, so are all these other books that I'm going to be talking about, and there are a lot of them, well, they're all like big books in the genre, and that's true for a reason, and hopefully uh, there's enough merit in them that I'll have people reading and following along with those or learning about you know new books to check out from the list that I go through. So anyway, without further ado, I will get I will pass it off to pass me to talk about Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, which was a very enjoyable book. I'll say that right now, and I'll let pass me say the rest. So I hope you found all that information interesting. Uh, this is, uh, well, yeah, Half-Blood Prince was an interesting book. It probably, I don't know. It was really interesting. It was really good. I listened to it at an increased speed versus the others. As I've gone in the series, I've, uh, listened to longer, or I've listened to it at faster and faster speed, and, uh, this one I went, you know, really fast. So, um... I still comprehended everything. I think I actually comprehended it better than I did uh, Order of the Phoenix. And I'm back to the uh, the Jim Dale version of the audiobook I'm getting from the library, so that's nice. And uh, <clears throat> it was a really good book. It was really interesting. It almost felt uh, odd in some ways. Like the, the threat and the danger were so much lurking in the background that they didn't seem to be real. Uh, <laughs> let me see. How do I put this? 
Oh yeah, this one has all the crazy um I'm pretty sure it is this one. I think it's this one. I think this one has the crazy inappropriate uh relationship stuff um which is like really weird and uncomfortable. Oh no, no, maybe that was I can't remember which one it was now, but all that stuff is really weird. Uh but I won't, you know, I won't go on about that. Um I'll just say that uh I don't know, I really like this different approach that this book took to everything. Um we got a wider view of the Wizarding World again. We learn a lot about Voldemort, which is super interesting. We get to see we get, Harry actually has a personal relationship with Dumbledore 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 here in this book that is really interesting and I'm not going to say it's satisfying right away because Harry argues with Dumbledore and he disagrees with him and while he trusts and respects him and he even calls himself Dumbledore's man uh, that I don't know it's just it, there's a really interesting like dichotomy or tension in their relationship because there is so much like affection and uh, admiration and care for each other uh, but there's also like Dumbledore is an old man He's not only a wizard, but he's a wizened man. Uh, he knows more about the world and about life than Harry does and can even comprehend, being that Harry's only 16 at this point. And it's just a fact. If you want to get mad at that, it proves that you're immature. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Dumbledore's far wiser than me, too. Well, maybe not because he's a fictional character, but if he were a real person, definitely he'd be more, uh, you know, a lot wiser than me. And I'm... Uh, I'm more than double Harry's age at this point, so... I don't know, it's really interesting, um... How Dumbledore has this, like, merciful aspect to his character, and he's operating out of a place of... I don't know, like, genuine concern and care for this large group of students, some of whom he has, you know, very personal uh, connections to, or who he, you know, dotes on personally, um... It's not that he, you know, loves all children all over the world. It's that he, you know, especially cares for and means to care for and help out the students who go to Hogwarts as best as he can. And he's kind of, like, devoted his life to that. And, gosh, I don't know. It's really interesting how uh, Dumbledore and Harry together explore the past through using the pensive. And they explore so many memories uh, in and around... Voldemort or Tom Riddle as I prefer to call him uh, it's a like first of all it's a fascinating way that Rowling has created for herself to delve into the past to do extended flashbacks or you know not extended as the case is sometimes but to do these flashbacks where the action and therefore the tension and the drama and the urgency is there both for the characters who are in the past and for our characters who are with them, Harry and Dumbledore mostly, seeing the past uh, you know, unfold before their eyes. You know, it's their present, <laughs> even though it's someone else's past. It's just like a really interesting, really uh, clever way that she created for herself to look into the past. And I, I'm curious how much uh, planning she did for this, because it seems there, there are certain strokes and certain moves in this book that reflect on the rest of the series that make her feel like a genius or make the, the writing behind this feel like it was done 
uh, by genius. And it's it's really impressive because um, you end up having sympathy for characters that you have hated in the past. You end up being surprised by... I don't think you get surprised by everybody in this book, but you, there are a lot of surprises. And the maneuvering and the developing and the maturation and although I use that word lightly or, or uh, you know loosely um, of different characters and the way that they interact in the world is really interesting um, you know the question not, not the question of evil but more you know who is evil is something that's kind of explored in this book and it raises <laughs> Uh, it raises moral questions, and it raises, uh, gosh, these dramatic. I don't know. It, it like everything is elevated, basically. Like things that appeared in book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, even uh, are all like being pulled upon and and manipulated, and um, characters who had incidental, who we've seen you know, pass by incidentally, or who had, you know, their role started in other books, and then maybe it was diminished, and now they've kind of come back into the fore, they have all these interesting things happening to them, and it's done in a, a very realistic type way, where things that happen in this book are all things that have been previously established or built upon through the course of other books, and it's not, oh, all of a sudden somebody has, you know, this item and this bit of knowledge and this desire to do these things, and they got all three of those in this book. It's, this person was given a motivation to do something, uh, the, a motivation to move towards a goal, and you would think it's exactly the kind of thing that they would want to do, but it turns out in reality it's not something that they want to do, and it's something that they're being forced into, and the things that they need to accomplish their task, one of them is from long ago, and another one is a fairly recent development, and it's just really interesting how that all works together, and, like, I can't imagine that Rowling thought, oh, for this character I, who I want to have this thing happen, I'm going to have them get their motivation uh, towards a goal in book six, but I'm going to have them get the uh, the means for it, one, you know, one important thing in book six, but another important thing in book one or two or whatever it was. I, can't, I think it was book two, but I'm not sure. Um, and I'm going to give that information out to the reader and to the characters and then they're going to be able to piece together how all this happened, you know, six years later in book six, or, you know, however many years, a couple of years later in book six. Like, I don't think that's how it was done, um, but I don't know how it was done. There's a, there's a certain magic to the the interconnected, interlayered, interwoven uh, storytelling that's going on here, and it's uh, it's very interesting, and, and none of it's been obvious. Um, this character I'm thinking of in particular, who... Uh, I <laughs> who has been loathed in the books, but I think now there's sympathy from many parties uh, on this character. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming at all, and I don't think you know the characters could have either. And it's very surprising. So, gosh, what else? What else? I mean, there's a lot in this book, and I'm again, I'm having a casual book chat, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm less wanting to analyze the book and more just say, like, how impressed I am <laughs> with how good this book is and how, it, you know, and I've said this about, I think, the a couple of the previous books, um, it elevates all the books that have come before it and it really, like, uses 
all the little breadcrumbs and threads and things like that in those other books as assets to make itself better and then it like reinforces the goodness or the quality of those other books and I don't know it's really interesting because like Rowling seems to be and I think I said this uh, in the previous uh, casual book chat like she seems to be working a mystery like there's a mystery at the center of each book it's there's an each book is its own individual mystery at its center however she also had this interesting thing where we learn in this book basically that most of those mysteries have all been linked to each other and pointed to each other and they're all leading towards this end so there was nothing fruitless about them they were all part of the overall story part of the overall plot and that's really interesting it's really neat it's a it's a neat trick that uh she accomplished in well however she accomplished it uh you know in the in the writing of this series and i don't know it was very interesting um by the end there's a very dramatic turn there's a very dramatic twist and i don't quite i don't want to talk about it right now um and uh, its effect on the series is really interesting and I hope <laughs> uh, I hope it stays as meaningful after reading book 7 as it is in book 6 and uh, I think I was kind of um, I was set up for it without knowing that I was being set up for it and then the trap got sprung uh, effectively and uh, well it was very effective because I was really shocked and taken for a loop by this big turn although I, I was given spoilers about something that happens in book 7 um, and I'm shocked I don't know how that's going to happen based on what happened in book 6 and it's very fascinating also I guessed at what the title The Half-Blood Prince meant three different times and I was wrong three different times but I was right one of them <laughs> and um uh or maybe I had two guesses I think I had two guesses but uh the book itself offered like three clean options for uh who the half-blood prince could be and how that works out and it's very interesting and uh I don't know it was just it was a really fun book it was really entertaining all the way through <laughs> My kid showed me this thing that it's a it's one of the best lines in the book. At some point, Snape and Harry are talking. I mean, Professor Snape, and they're in uh, Snape's class, and uh, Harry forgets to call Snape sir, and he <laughs> and Snape tells him something like uh, like yes sir, and Harry says. <laughs> Professor, there's no need for you to call me sir. <laughs> and it's just like, I think the line is, the dialogue tag is, you know, Harry said the words, you know, the words came out of Harry's mouth before he realized or could stop himself. And then he gives this absolute zinger, like this mad dig on Snape. And uh, it was fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. It was hilarious. And like, it was one of those moments where you like pause reading and you're taken out of the book because a line was so good or so stunning that you have to react to it and uh <laughs> that was a lot of fun and I was warned that that line was coming too um 
again, by the same spoiler who, who told me about this thing at the end, and I was absolutely shocked at how hard the line hit in the book, uh, listening to it, even though I was sh- it was shown to me. Uh, but maybe that just shows how uh, good of a performance Jim Dale did, because it was really good. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff in this book. There's more relationship stuff. Uh, one of the Weasley brothers is getting married, which is a lot of fun. And uh, there's like adults getting married. It's like there's all sorts of romantic stuff in this book. I think this is the book that has it all. I think I was just complaining to my kid about this the other day. They're like, it's really weird that in the sixth book, all of a sudden Rowling is hitting you with like all this romantic subplot stuff. And it's like, it's not small. It's not Cho Chang kissing Harry under the mistletoe once. It's like, yeah, it's really weird. And I don't want to belabor it and talk about it because it's just, it's, it's odd. Very odd. Um, but anyway, uh, that there's like one chapter really that's like horrible, filled with all this weird teen romance stuff that was like bizarre. Um, not that you can't have teen romance, but I just you know uh, I wasn't expecting it. And yeah, there's death and destruction and mutilation and all sorts of things, uh, you know, going on in the book that are horrible that I you know that are you know like a big deal and you'd want to uh, you know stay away from those things if possible. Um, but there is. Uh, to me, there's a difference between, like, violence and, like, uh, and sexuality, basically. I just, I have to say there's, there's no other way to put it. And, like, putting kids in, in scenes where they're dealing with violence is acceptable to me, because it's a very real-world thing. It's obviously morally wrong, and you don't want them to be in danger, and you want them to be protected from that. However, because uh, people like to make the argument, oh, all the violence on American TV, for example, is horrible, um... Or, you know, it's horrible, but you celebrate it because you like whatever it is, Power Rangers, Terminator, uh, any, you know, Call of Duty, any war thing. Um, you're fine with bloodshed, but you're not okay with sexuality. Well, yeah, sexuality, <laughs> violence harms children when they're actually uh, aggressed upon, when they're actually uh, hurt by, you know, literally physically. Uh, violence harms children in that case. Violence harms children, or sexuality harms children when they are exposed to it in a number of ways. One, like being abused by a teacher or a trusted guardian or a random stranger, God forbid, any of those situations. Uh, however, I can personally attest, again, I'm not, I'm not a child, I'm an adult with children myself, I can personally attest to being exposed to sexuality as a youth and having it cause me lots of problems. And I can know, I know of other people, I can give, you know, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't betray their trust, but I can tell you names of people and incidents of things that happened that where they were exposed to sexuality at a very young age, and it's had lifelong deleterious effects on them. Not that it has to for everybody. Some people can be damaged by it, some people can, you know, there's lots of different reactions and, and uh, consequences to different sorts of circumstances or situations. However, children being exposed to, you know, visual violence or, you know, violent scenarios in a book or whatever, um, it's seen as an immoral thing. It's seen as a scary thing. It's seen as dangerous. It's seen as exciting, and it's something that you're glad that the character survives through and escapes from, and escapes harm from. But it's seen as something to escape, to avoid, to uh, not be harmed by. Versus uh, sexuality, especially the way it's covered in this book with the you know all the you know, weird, you know weird you know young teens like kissing and making out and things like that. That's odd. Uh, that's not seen as harmful in the book. Um, and I don't think the intended audience has the maturity to see that overexposure as harmful uh, to them, as deleterious to them, and yet I firmly believe that it can be, that it most likely is, and I think uh, those who aren't harmed by it are the exception, not the rule, and so that's kind of weird. Um, 
I definitely uh, did not expect to see that in here, and I think it's too bad that it's here. Uh, I think it can be overlooked, but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm part of the problem then if I'm going to overlook it. But yeah, I, 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 and I don't think Rowling's a horrible monster, like some people think she is. But uh, you could argue that those people are in favor of exposing children to the kinds of things that I object to her uh, putting in this book. Uh, but they're just coming kind of from a, a different perspective, a different a different side of it that they do like and think is wonderful that I would disagree with them on. So anyway, that's kind of weird. But yeah, this is uh, this is me. These are my honest opinions on the book. Um, all that being said, I feel like it was mostly contained to a small-ish section of the book. Definitely a chapter, but Rowling's chapters are long, and it eked out into a couple other chapters here and there. Um, and it was kind of set up in the last book, some stuff, especially with uh, with Ginny, um, but it was not explicit there. Uh, and I took it as rumor and kids being uh, mean or unkind or ungenerous to each other. And then this book said, no, this that's definitely what's happening, and uh, like there was no issue with it according to the book or from by the book standards and uh, well you know I guess Rowling and I have different uh, moral sensibilities moral principles that we live by and uh, we happen to disagree or differ on this uh, on this point so anyway again I find that all very uh, interesting it's an interesting tangent an interesting thing to, to talk about but it's not the most important thing uh, in the book I think the most important thing in, in the book is uh, all the really interesting stuff that happened all the compelling storytelling that was going on and I want to focus on that, so I I did. <laughs> I did. It's a really good book, and I'm super excited to start the next book. In fact, I'm going to be starting it basically right after I finish this recording. So, uh, yeah. Look forward to the next casual book chat on uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and uh, let me know what you think of these books. I'm really curious to hear people's feedback and uh, how much they like it. Or dislike it. Any things that you think are you know, wrong or weird or bad or objectionable or anything like that. I'm also curious to hear. Just, uh, you know, so we can talk about the book. Have fun uh, with the book chatting. All right, so that's enough of me meandering on. Uh, I hope you folks are well. Until next time, this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.